Contending for the faith one verse at a time. Welcome to Truth Matters Church. Today we hear the last part of the message titled, The Keys to Death and Hades, and are faced with the question, are death and Hades places, angels, or both? As we continue to see in our study of Revelation, what Scripture reveals is very surprising. If you missed part one of this message, be sure to catch up to get the full context of today's lesson. Here is Pastor Alex. There is something mysterious concerning Hades, and this is mentioned during the fourth seal. And let me read that to us. So we're going a little ahead. We're probably not going to get there for a few years. Revelation 6, verse 8. I looked, and behold, an ashen. That's a pale green horse. And he who sat on it had the name death. And Hades was following him. That, that perplexed me. How can Hades, a place, be following him? Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Now, don't peek, okay? Does anyone want to venture to guess what Hades is here? Hades was following this rider on a pale green horse. Does anyone want to guess? I'll give us a clue. Death and Hades are both personified. So that's a clue. Personified. So they're not talking as a place or a thing, but a being. Did you know that Hades is one of the name, one of the angels? You're like, what? Wait, 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 wait. Hades is the name of an angel. How do we know that? Because, well, in the fourth seal, Hades is not a place, but an angel, because he who's he, he, not it who sat, he who sat on the ashen horse was named Death. Hades was following with him, that rider on the ashen horse, and authority was given to the both of them. You can't give authority to a place or thing. You give authority to beings. Authority is only given to beings. So here's the truth. And this, I, I didn't know this until you know, we just are continuing to do what we're doing in our study and letting Scripture tell us what it's telling us. There are angels who bear the names Death and Hades. There's an angel named Death and there's an angel named Hades. And those angels also speak to the reality of those things. Now I ask this question, is the Grim Reaper biblical? You know, death, Grim Reaper. Well, if he rides a pale green horse and his name is death, yes. Here's a side truth also. I'm like, man, like I'm going through this thing. I'm like, wow, there's just truth after truth and truth, implication of truth all throughout. Scripture is so rich. Here's another truth. I don't know if you thought about this. When people die, did you ever wonder, how, did you get, how do you get to paradise? Or how do you get to Hades? Do you just die and your soul just levitates up or down? Well, if we look at the rich man and Lazarus account, Matthew 16.22, we just, or Luke 16.22, and we just read this. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels. How did Lazarus get to Abraham's side? Angels carried him there. Okay, so here. And I, I know this isn't mentioned, and this is implied, 
the rich man who also died and was buried, and then it opened up his eyes, I want to suggest to you, he was carried by angels to Hades. Now, which one? Well, with the insight into the fourth seal, if you were to ask me which angels carried the rich man when he was living on earth, and then he died, his body was buried, and now his soul was carried or brought down to Hades, who brought him down there? I want to suggest to you the angels' death in Hades. There's more implications here. Okay. So if you were to take a step back, look at from the time of Adam. People who have died from the time of Adam till nigh and who will die until the end of time. People are taken by angels either to paradise where Abraham and Lazarus were or to Hades where the rich man was. Every departed soul is going to be escorted by angels to their eternal abode. In the rapture, right? Or in, when Jesus comes and He sends forth His angels, His angels are going to gather you together, right? This shouldn't be really too surprising for us if you really think about it. I just think we probably haven't thought even beyond that. When you and I die and are brought before our Lord, His angels will bring us to Him. Now the Lord Himself will shout you know, with the voice of the archangel and at that trumpet blast and the dead in Christ will rise. But as we know, He will also send forth His angels to gather the elect from the four corners of the earth and bring them together. So don't worry if you don't drive or you know, spirit, you don't spiritually drive, don't worry about where you're going to go. Like, oh, I don't know. That's why Jesus said, remember, no, I'm telling you, this makes so much more sense now. Think about it. Philip, right? Lord, show us the way. How, how do we know the way? He goes, do you know the way? He's just saying, just trust in me. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house or many homes and I go to prepare a place for you. He goes, you know what the way is? Believe in me. I will send my uber angels. And they will bring you and I'll receive you to myself and take you to where I am. So angels, folks, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people. They, they must be you know, pretty fit, you know, carrying all these human beings to their place. There are a couple more things on Hades, okay? What else can we learn from Hades? It's not only the name of an angel. Hades contains the dead. In Revelation 20, when we get to the great white throne judgment, we'll pick it up in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Now we just deduced from the fourth seal that death and Hades are the name of two angels. There's the death angel and there's the Hades angel. Now, I don't want to get too deep here, but you know when you hear the phrase, I'm in Christ, I'm in Him. How are you in Christ? How are you in Him? Yeah, we can try to explain it. Okay, when we put our faith, the Spirit comes in us and we're in relationship, we're residing in Him, we have faith in Him. We can try to try to explain it, but it still doesn't quite explain it. How are we in Him, but He's in us? Well, you're either in him, in Christ, 
who is life, you're in life, you're eternal life, you're grafted in eternal life, or you're in them, death and Hades. So another way to say this, believers are in Him, in Christ. We're in life. We're in eternal life. We're in right standing. We're in righteousness before our God. All through our faith in Yeshua, right? But unbelievers, you're not in Christ. You know what you're in? You're in death. You're in Hades. And there's actually an angel, death in Hades. And death is real. And Hades is real. And there's eternal realities to these things. So you're either in Him, in Christ, or you're in death or Hades. So in this great white throne judgment, in them, in death and Hades, wherever they were, and they were being held, they were raised to be judged during this judgment. And here's one last thing concerning Hades. Hades is a temporary holding place. Hades is a temporary holding place. And we know that through the same great, great white throne account, we'll continue on, Revelation 20, verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So now this makes sense. Whose death and Hades? The angels' death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Did you get that? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. How can you throw death into the lake of fire? There's the dead in the lake of fire, but how do you throw death? Well, we know that death and Hades were personified in the first seal. So what I want to suggest to us, when it says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Here's what I want to, here's what, this is just me trying to make these deductions from Scripture. You know, we know, we know the story of the, the disciples, they kind of argued amongst each other on who's going to sit on Jesus' right or left. You know the story. And Jesus goes, you don't know what you're talking about, and this isn't for you. Well, I'll say this. Satan probably has a right and a left hand man. Who naturally fits? Death and Hades. Now there's Apollyon or Abaddon, who's one of the other angels who has authority over the abyss, and we'll get into that a little later, but that's not the angels of death and of Hades. All that is to say, if you were to ask me, you know, what's my kind of deduction, I would say the angels of death and Hades are probably two of Satan's top-tier angels. So if you take Revelation 20 and the great white throne judgment into account, when you go back to verse 10, it tells us Satan was, here is at this point in time, the devil, Satan, he is finally thrown into the lake of fire to spend the rest of eternity in Revelation 20, verse 10. So Satan was thrown into the lake of fire. The beast and the false prophet, who were his pretty much spokespersons and antichrist here, were, also, were already thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. And when we get to verse 14, and it says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, I want to suggest to you that it was the angel's death and the angel's Hades that was thrown into the lake of fire. So here's a truth. Remember I mentioned Hades is a city, like the city of Hades? Well, that's not in a permanent abode for unredeemed souls or even the angels who rebelled. If you want to get technical, okay, where's the final, final city of the unredeemed? It's the city of the lake of fire and brimstone. 
But collectively, whether you're citizens of Hades or a citizen of the lake of fire and brimstone, collectively, you're citizens of hell. I know that's a lot, right? Okay, now let me try to tie this in to Revelation 1.18. So here's what we learned about Hades. Here's, here's the summary now. It's down. It has gates like a city. It's a place of agony and burning flames. It's a place of torment, and it's far from paradise. It's fixed and final. There's no second chance after death. You can't sneak or break into heaven. So if you're, you know, thieves can break and rob us here. But on the other side of heaven, you can't break into paradise. You can't break into heaven. Sorry, Elon. You know, even if you were to build a rocket and try to habitate Mars, the human mind cannot break into paradise or heaven. Also concerning Hades, we learn that it has abandoned souls, and we know that the father left them there, and we know that because the father didn't leave his son there. He actually took him with him to paradise. And it's one of the name of the angels. There's the Hades angels, the death angel. We know about Hades. It's associated with death. You can even say they're probably partners with one another. They're probably a tag team. It contains unredeemed souls, And lastly, it's a temporary holding place until the great white throne judgment and the lake of fire. Now let's go back to our our verse. So when Jesus said, I am the first and the last and the living one, and I was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of Hades. When Jesus made this claim he among other things he's declaring that he like his father is the first and the last and he's the very one who rose from the dead never to die again and his father gave him all power and authority in heaven and on earth so if you're like okay now jesus said i have the keys of death and hades what's the truth when jesus says he has the keys of death and of hades he is claiming to have authority by his father to bind and imprison those in them and he as he also has authority over all the angels including the death angel and the hades angel to loose and release to carry out his purposes so let me say this again so on the fourth seal when there was the rider on the, the ashen horse, the green pale horse, and a rider who sat on it, his name was Death, and then Hades was following, and then authority was given to them. Who gave that authority? The Lord Jesus Christ. You're like, wait, but, but maybe Satan gave him authority. Well, is that a possibility? Sure. But when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and part of this idea of having the keys of death and the keys of Hades, he is also claiming that over the angel of death and over the, Hades, uh, the angel of Hades, that the Lord Jesus Christ has the keys, he has authority over them and to do his bidding. And that would include you know, paying retribution to those who dwell on the earth during the global tribulation, as we've covered briefly. So who's pulling the strings of the angels now? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go to verse 19 and 20. We're going to finish this chapter. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. In verse 19, Jesus gave John the instruction. Therefore, write, and I've touched on this. Remember, John, he wrote what he was commanded to write. 
When he wasn't commanded to write something, he didn't write it. So we're following suit with that when we're studying the book of Revelation. I'm not going to write in what wasn't written or take away what was written. We're going to take it at face value as it was given to John to even give us a chance to understand this marvelous book. He says, Therefore write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place. Now this is important. Now we might read this, Therefore write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. I think it wouldn't be surprising for us. We just gloss over that. But this is important. Why? When he says, write the things which you have seen, because it's concerning the things that are, so at that time in 95, 96 AD. So write the things which you have seen because it is talking about the things that are, not the things that was. You're not looking back here, John. You're looking at the present to the future. So we have to look at Revelation the same way from 95 AD forward. Because that tells us how to view and interpret it. And the things that are, in its immediate context, it's concerning the state of those seven churches. And the things which will take place means this. After what is fulfilled, what was written concerning the seven churches, then the remaining vision is after them. And that will take us to the very end of the age. Let me say this another way. Revelation. You can't get to Revelation 4 because when we get to chapter 2 and 3, it's the letters to the seven churches. Chapter 4 will not happen until chapters 2 and 3, what was written concerning them, will happen. So this statement tells us how to handle and interpret Revelation. Write the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. After these things includes those letters to the seven churches, whatever was written there. And then once that comes to pass and that seventh letter to the seventh church is passed, then when John was taken up to heaven in chapter 4, then the prophecy continues. So you can't get past chapter 3. You can't get past it until all that was written concerning what was written to those seven churches have been fulfilled. You can't jumble them up. But once what happens, what is written to the letters to the seven churches, then it takes us to the very end of the age and even to the eternal, eternal state. And then lastly, when we get to verse 20, as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. See, for me, this is, I love it when the scripture just tells you straight up I don't have to go on a safari hunt. I don't have to go on deep sea diving, so to speak. I don't have to mine the earth to try to find it because a lot of times we do. Well, this one tells us Scripture interprets itself in its direct context. And I mentioned this, seven means seven. When he saw seven stars in his right hand, that represents the seven angels. They're not human messengers. And there were seven golden lampstands that was representative of the seven churches. And the things which are, are the first, the seven first century churches. And the things that which, which will take place after these things is after what is fulfilled concerning those seven churches. And I mentioned this, the vision in chapter four and beyond cannot take place until what was written concerning the seven churches is fulfilled in chapters 2 and 3. Now, in closing, Jesus was given all authority in heaven and on earth by his Father, 
And that authority is the enoma, the name of Lord or Kyrios or title, Kyrios. And that was part of the exaltation of Christ in Philippians 2. And as I mentioned, when, it said, when we say Jesus is Lord, he is Lord of all. The only being that the Lord Jesus is not Lord is over his Father. The Lord Jesus is the possessor of the keys of death and Hades. And as a possessor of the keys of the kingdom through Peter's confession, the church will prevail victorious over death and Hades. You know what's a sure bet? You know, some of us are like, man, what's a... You know, if you knew something was 100% true, you'd bet on it, right? Let's say even in life, if you knew the outcome, let's say, of a sporting event, and you knew like, no, you know the future, and you would put all your marbles and, and, and you know, bet it. Well, one sure thing is believers, the church, the body of Christ, we won. We won. Death, Hades, will not apply to us. It'll come over us. We will escape that. We're victorious in it. Our faith and our confession that aligns with Peter's confession as to who Jesus is, that's the surest thing that'll keep your soul and my soul from waking up in a place of torment and agony and flames. And Jesus, as the possessor of the clice of death and Hades, Jesus has authority to keep abandoned and unredeemed souls bound and imprisoned until the judgment day. And furthermore, as the possessor of the keys or clice of death in Hades, Jesus has authority to bind and to loose the angel of death and the angel of Hades as part of the global tribulation that will be experienced by the world. So when we start to get into the seals and the trumpets, and the bold judgments, and the angel, angelic activity. Who's the one breaking the seals? Who was found worthy to break the seals? Christ. And one of those seals was the fourth seal, which was the green horse. And the rider on it was named Death. So when Christ broke the fourth seal, he can say he unleashed the death angel and the, and the, the Hades angel to kill a fourth of the earth so that they would receive them and keep them bound until the final judgment day. Isn't it starting to kind of hopefully click a little bit? And since he possesses all authority over angels, he will himself cast. Here's what, when, when, when Jesus says, I have the clice, the keys of death and of Hades. You know what, he, what, you know what Jesus is saying? Oh, so let's say all the angels of his Father were before him. Those who rebelled, the Lord Jesus Christ has the authority to bind and to imprison them to their eternal abode. He got his father's back. Okay, that was heavy. I love my Lord Jesus. This place that we've been talking about quite a bit, Hades, Lake of Fire, these angels over them, the gates of Hades shall not prevail upon the church that Christ built on the confession of Peter. I love my Lord Jesus. That's why I love his word. I want to tell you about it. Like, man, he's pretty awesome. He's spectacular. He's wondrous. He's glorious. If his father thinks highly of him, I think highly of him. 
because he's the one who has all authority and he's the only one who can either keep us abandoned or keep us from being abandoned. So, see, me, the choice is obvious, but I know that's also a grace from God. You know, my heart goes out. I mean, I don't know. I've been doing this Christian thing for almost two decades now. I don't know how people live without God. I, I, I can't relate anymore. Like, I'm so far removed. I'm so dependent on him. I trust that he's working on all things, you know, for, for my good and for his glory. I, you know, but I know that because it's through his word and through his spirit. And, you know, it's hard for me to fathom with the, wor- the way the world is and where it's going and what's going on. Like, how can you not try to get some answers? And, of course, why not go to your creator? Why not go to your creator? Um, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. You know, on, uh, when it comes to, like, let's say, um, the debate concerning evolution, right? And the Big Bang, something along those lines, right? And I use this example. I was talking to my wife about this. Let's just look at this one right here. Look at this podium right here. Did you see this being made? Did you see who made this? But just look at this. What does this tell you by just observing it? Just because I didn't see the person who made this doesn't mean a person didn't make this person made this look it's and it was made for this so that i can use it for this purpose i mean this is just one small example you can you can take anything in life but what if i say well no i'm gonna have faith that something banged out of nothing and made this because i wasn't there to see it i didn't see them bolt this together and how this was kind of morphed i didn't see how this came to be so you know what there isn't a creator no this tells me there's a creator that a man made this and sold it for money, presumably. So when you look at life, just look at creation. Look at us. I mean, there's, there has to be a purpose. Like, we want purpose. It, it's what drives us. We need to live for something or someone. So why is it so far of a stretch to say, you know what? You, uh, you came from a creator, now, I understand you don't know who he is. Like, I don't know who made this, but I'm sure if I do some digging, I can find out. Okay, let's say I bought it through Amazon. Okay, Amazon, who was the retailer? Okay, where's the retailer from? You're from this company. Okay, and I can kind of continue to look, and I can find out the company who made this and ultimately the people who made this by just asking questions and digging. That's no different in Christianity. Okay, I don't know who the creator is. Where do you go? You go to his word. Okay, I don't know who you are, but this is your word. No, I want to get to know you. I want to understand everything, but you know what? I wasn't there to see everything, but you know what? I want to know ultimately who is the creator of all things, who has all authority. It's not rocket science, but what it boils down to, what? Our pride and arrogance. It's our pride and arrogance. Is it so hard to go back to our creator and ask a lot of these burning questions? So it it baffles me how people can go through life like that. And you know, my prayer is, that's why I'm doing this, so that his word could be proclaimed and his word is powerful. And I know that once it hits our hearts and God can do the rest, he can save whoever he's going to save and he can keep saved who he saved. And all we're trying to do is just be encouraged as we come together you know, week after week and we're trying to learn you know, what our God has planned concerning his creation and concerning us. Thank you for joining us today at Truth Matters Church. 
another fascinating study as we go verse by verse through the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ not only possesses the keys to the physical places of the dead, but he also holds power even over the demonic angels of the underworld. It's incredible stuff, and it all points to the glory and dominion of our Lord and Savior. In our next study, we open chapter 2 of Revelation and begin looking at Jesus' messages to the seven churches, beginning with the church in Ephesus. If you've missed any part of our study, you can find them and download them for free at truthmatterschurch.org or look us up on Sermon Audio. And did you know you can even listen on your Alexa device by asking it to play the Truth Matters Church podcast. Contending for the faith one verse at a time. This is Truth Matters Church.